Here we go. It's other D.C. sports huddle. Uh, yes, it's in the springtime, so we like to pare down the lineup. No, I'm just kidding. George Wallace can't make it this week. We got Rob Woodfork, Dave Preston along. We are sponsored by MGM National Harbor. For the latest in Washington sports, visit MGM National Harbor to experience a sports fan paradise. And this is that time of year some might think it's a sport fan paradise. I know college basketball is done, but you've got the pro playoffs and basketball, NBA playoffs, they also call it starting. You've got uh, the, the NHL playoffs coming soon, Capitals, Baseball just got going. Unfortunately for the Wizards, not a part of this postseason. And we'll begin there. And, of course, uh, I followed them closely. Uh, watched every one of their games from start to finish. Uh, so I'll get to my thoughts in a moment. But let's just start with Dave Preston. Your thoughts as we go into an offseason with a different team than we were talking about at the start of the season. Well, I, I think we saw just a little bit of everything over the course of the season. We had that 10-3 start. We had that slump. We we had the, the fire. It wasn't necessarily a fire sale, but it was a necessary revamping of the uh, roster and rotation because you couldn't play, you know, on, you know, on a night by night basis with 12, 13 guys, they had to pare that roster down. I like some of the pieces they picked up. Uh, it's one of those, anytime you have a first year of a coaching regime, it's as though the cookies are still in the oven. So the cookies are still in the oven. There's going to be moves to be made in the off season. They have to figure out what's going to happen with Bradley Beal, but it's, it's a season that didn't end it the way that you hoped for, especially after making the playoffs last year. But with all the injuries and everything, it's it's pretty much all you could, I guess, you know, get from a first season. And big moves to be made in the offseason. They just have to get better defensively. That's that's one thing, you know, situationally. Uh, you know, if you look at the numbers, they weren't that bad. But it just felt in some games that, you know, there were floodgates that they couldn't stop. So I'm looking forward to seeing – who they pick up in the draft and any other free agent moves too. Of course, the world uh, hangs on the words of Bradley Beal in early July. Well, you know, it's interesting about improvement. I'll get to you, Rob, real quick, but to dovetail on your, your point, Dave, when we're talking about become more defensive team and, and, and there's such fine margins in the NBA to be a better defensive team. Maybe you're just talking about three possessions a game. That's it. If you're better three possessions a game to start with, it, it doesn't have to be a 180 culture that, that, that changes like that because it probably is not going to happen that way. But if you're consistently better three possessions a game, and then all of a sudden you make three more three-pointers a game, which the Wizards weren't good at this past season, suddenly you're a playoff team. Rob? Yeah, I think the thing that was really unnerving for me was the propensity for which they blew those big leads. I mean, the 35-point lead against the Clippers, and uh, I mean, they had, what, at least two other games in which they had 25-point leads or, or more and ended up blowing them. So that was something that kind of gave me pause because, I mean, that's just like a systematic breakdown for an extended period of time. I mean, that's not just one bad quarter. Those are bad halves. And that was the thing that was kind of – unnerving for me to see them, you know, they, they, they would either start games really well and then have a bad second half or they would have, you know, or vice versa. And it was just like a, uh, it, they just couldn't put together 48 minutes. It seemed like for a consistent enough basis for them to even stay relevant in the playoff conversation. But I have a risky proposition that I think would uh, that, that I think would help the team because the thing is, uh, whenever they've made these big trades to try to address uh, certain positions, uh, they end up having to give up some of the young players that they've developed in order to acquire some of those guys. So I look to free agency, I look to the draft in order, and I think point guard is the thing everybody's been kind of pointing at 
as uh, as a big uh, fix for them. Obviously, we need to see Bradley Beal re-signed. I'm going to take for granted that that's going to happen. I think that they're going to end up keeping Kristaps Porzingis uh, a, a long term. So if you're going for a point guard, I think you, I think you go for, uh, uh, Victor Oladipo. You try and bring home the, uh, the, the you know, bring him back home, uh, and, uh, and see if that's uh, something that can help you sort of get over the hump. I mean, I've said it here before. I'm, I'm kind of tired of them being in that six, seven, eight range every year. What can we do to get to the two, three, and, and maybe even, you know, like we saw with the 10 and three start to the season where they're the best team in the Eastern conference. So I think if you get Victor Oladipo and I know he's got a long injury history, but he helps your defense right away. He helps your scoring punch. He gives you that third uh, scoring option. Even if that's not the order in which you're relying on him as a scorer. Um, I, I just think he checks a lot of boxes if he can stay healthy. And I know that you, that creates a big three in which two of them, you worry about them being able to stay healthy but, you know, with, uh, with, with great risk comes great reward sometimes. So uh, given what they're looking at in terms of the free agent crop that's coming up this offseason, that seems like the, the, the highest reward move for them. It seems like with health, it's interesting. If, if anybody remembers Bradley Beal, what was the knock on him early? Oh, he's not going to be able to stay healthy. Right. Well, he has now. And so I think that the, the, the lesson there is that, yeah, you go ahead and take a, a shot at maybe a Victor Oladipo because you cannot predict a person's future health mm-hmm. based on uh, their past unless unless that injury is such that it's going to linger and, and bring them down. A la the question marks that surrounded uh, John Wall. I always point to Richard Hamilton as an example. Uh, Rip Hamilton, many thought, you know what, he's not going to last very long in this league he's he seems like he's 160 pounds dripping wet it's it, and look what happened so uh you you cannot predict and that's why as i watch christoph sporzingis for the final 17 games he does not look like a guy that's going to break down now <laughs> that's just me watching with the naked eye i'm not a doctor i'm not a trainer uh but the the past health of somebody i don't think if if you're you're making a move in the NBA or any league that that necessarily should dictate what you do, unless there's some information that at that injury is going to dog them for the rest of their career, because as hard as these guys, and you all have been up close as hard as they play it. And, and that hardwoods real hardwood mm-hmm. and as fast and hard as they play, it's a wonder they're all not injured because I get it. It's not like football or contact game, but they go at it with with uh, with, with such uh, a passion that it's a wonder that they're not that injured. But I also think um, this league is about fit and opportunity. And obviously, I was bought in. I think everybody was bought in. Spencer Dinwiddie. Why wouldn't that work? Uh, Montrezl Hill. The combination. It did work for a while. Ten and three. It obviously wasn't working. And that's when you have to make a determination. Is this or not working? That's why they make the trades. The Lakers should have worked. Russell Westbrook, I watched him for a whole season. He's a great player, a great competitor. Uh, God, I don't know with that situation out there, but I, I just know that somehow a team with LeBron James is, is not in the playoffs. So it is about fit and opportunity, the right mix. The group they seem to have down the stretch, that seems like the right mix. Some of those blown leads you were talking about happen under – the previous players watched a la the most dramatic game, the Clippers. Um, it's, it's a team that has some exciting young pieces in a Denny Avdia, 
in Arui Hachimura and Corey Kispert. Corey Kispert, they thought, well, let's see what kind of go-go uniform he'll work out because they didn't think he'd get a lot of minutes. Next thing you know, you discover you have this guy that's more than just a shooter. He's a basketball player. He ends up starting 30-plus games. The, the key will be what they want to do at that point guard position because I don't just think you get a point guard to say, all right, we got a point guard because I think that we've seen what happens when you necessarily get Spencer Dinwiddie. We also live in a positionless NBA. Does Bradley Beal become more of a point? Does Denny Avdia bring it up? And does Thomas Sadoransky serve as a bridge until you find that guy? But I think it's important not to just get anybody. I think Victor Oladipo is a great suggestion. It's going to be an interesting offseason because if you look, it does center around that position. You look everywhere else on their roster, they've got depth and versatility on that roster. And when I say versatility, uh, I mean also some experience and some young players, and that's a nice mix. Yeah. And I think you know, looking, you know, big picture along those lines, I think next year and, and who knows what they'll you know do over the next you know six months, but perimeter play is is king in the 20s in the 21st century. And it's you know when uh, they were uh wizards were 26th in the NBA and shooting the three, 21st and defending the three. That's how teams make runs against you when they're able to hit three after three. And when you're not able to successfully make your perimeter game dangerous, it's akin in baseball to not taking the extra base. You have to work that much harder to get your points. And even though you might be efficient, you might not be as effective. So moving forward, this team's got to come out next season much better on the perimeter on on both ends of the floor if they're going to want to contend for a playoff berth. I think the Rui factor is a key factor. I will give him credit that I've never seen a player basically join a team midseason, which he did, and actually perform as well as he did because the NBA season is a fast-moving train. Usually you can't just jump on. Um, But I I think he is such an intriguing player because he, he started to show some flashes that he can use his strength and body inside. But he's making the three on a consistent basis. And that gets back to Kyle Kuzma's thesis back in November or December. He basically said then, look, if the Wizards would just shoot the league average in three points, they'd be in a better situation. Not that you live and die by the three-point percentage, but when you look at your three-point percentage and you're in the Oklahoma City-Detroit neighborhood, the season's probably not going to end well. No, and they were shooting like it, it felt like they were in one of those shooting slumps that teams tend to go through and then they come out of and they just never came out of the shooting slump. It was like they were consistently like 27 percent, 30 percent on a good night. So. Uh, so, yeah. And I mean, just to go back to my uh, Oladipo suggestion, I mean, he wouldn't last we saw him play. Uh, he was knocking down a career high uh, above 40% from three point range. So not only does he uh, give you perimeter shooting, but he also gives you uh, the, the perimeter defense that the Wizards so sorely lacked over the course of this year. And also, and this was a, another part to it that, 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 you know, that I mentioned was just, you don't have to give up a Rui Hachimura in that trade. You don't have to give up a Denny Avdia in that trade. You don't have to give up a Corey Kispert in that trade because it's not a trade. It's a free agent signing. So I, I want to see them hold on to some of those younger pieces, develop those guys and Helm. Maybe one of those guys ends up being one of the big three uh, for the wizards uh, down the line. Uh, you never know. No, I, I still hold to what the ESPN analyst said on draft night that he believes Denny Avdia is going to be the steal in the draft. If yeah. you look 
and what he does defensively against the Giannis's, et cetera, he gets it done. He's a young player that's been playing though since professionally since he's 16. Now we're seeing his aggression on offense, his ability to get N1s. He wants that contact. Uh, the only knock on him right now is he's got to stop refing the game as well. And and as Tommy Shepard even said, <laughs> what's the line? The the uh, the box score indicts, the video convicts. And he's starting to realize that, well, maybe that was uh, a foul. And I think it's also exciting that the, he's become a rapper and he calls himself the big dreidel. So, I mean, there's also something <laughs> that I think that, that we, 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 we got to hang on to D.C. But I don't want to see... This this group, this trio we mentioned of young players, one of them developing with another team, because I really like all three. I really if we can hang on to all three, I really think we have something. Corey Kispert's a smart basketball player. I don't know how many possessions he bailed out with good cuts. Forget three point shooting. He's going to be able to do that on a consistent basis. But he was a smart basketball player. We just mentioned Denny Avdia. Uh, Rui Hachimura, as I said, an intriguing. These are three consecutive draft picks that the Wizards hit on. And I think it's important. Let's just see. Let's hopefully get everybody healthy, get everybody in the right spots entering next season. It's it's tough to, you know, as you mentioned with Rui Hachimura, not, not, not being available until midseason. It's tough to make a playoff run when you have so many different pieces that you're moving in and moving out and things of that vein. Hopefully next time uh, at the trade deadline, they'll just be doing some minor tweaking to the roster or rotation and not doing a major overhaul that they did this past winter. But the Porzingis move was huge. If he and Beal and uh, Kuzma can all stay healthy and the young guys can come along, hopefully we'll have a much better story next year because this is a basketball town. And even though I, I cover college hoops, this is a, also a pro basketball town. And when the Wizards have been playing into late May or late uh, April and into May, this is a fun place to cover the NBA and the Wiz in particular. And, and we had we had a couple of gift seasons where, yeah, they came up short against Boston and Atlanta in the uh, conference semifinals. But those were fun runs. And hopefully we can have runs into May with this new crew, with this new regime. And also just remember what it was when the Capitals won it all. I mean, but people flooding the streets around uh, Capital One Arena and all of that. I mean, just imagine how big that would be for the Wizards, because as you said, this is a basketball town that hasn't had a reason to rally around the basketball team in many, many years. Well, and, and I'm old enough to remember as as uh, the celebration of 1978, I got my first kiss that night at a middle school uh, <laughs> dance. That's that. But but I, I rather would have stayed and watched the, the, the rest of the, the victory celebration. But what did you see? I only I only go back to McFilthy and McNasty. That, no, that, right, right. You know, yeah, no, I go back. No, no, that, that, those that, days. Yeah. 1979, uh, 78, rather. Uh, yeah, again, uh, it just it, it's an incre- it was an incredible time in the city. And we do have a big three developing in Porzingis, uh, Beal and Kuzma, by the way. Uh, I think he showed that this year. And again, mark my words, Bradley Beal will sign with the Wizards. First of all, that's that's not that shocking a statement because the Wizards can pay him more money than anyone else. But uh, I, I, I remember seeing Bradley outside the Brooklyn locker room in Brooklyn, a victory before, um, after rather the Wizards beat the Nets in Brooklyn. Uh, he didn't have to be there and, and do that. I, I've seen him time and time again, stale. He's still very much involved this team. He does not act like a player that has one foot out of DC and he's never quite frankly, acted like that it, to the point, including 
to the point we're still talking about this. He signed an extension he didn't have to sign. So I still believe that Bradley Beal is going to be back and he's going to form a big three with Porzingis and Kuzma. And then you figure it out from there. Agreed. <laughs> All right. There we go. Well, I like to uh, do uh, audible to the line of scrimmage. Well, the part, gentlemen. Yes. Well, uh, yeah. What, what's your audible line of scrimmage? Actually, I've got two this week. One, Nats are finally in gear and pitching has been such a problem. Uh, as we've seen, I think just one starter in the first seven games now get to the sixth inning. That's got to change. Otherwise, this bullpen is going to be gassed before we even get to Memorial Day. But it's nice to see the bat of Michael Franco uh, get a little bit of life. This team is going to score some runs on some nights. They're not going to get uh, 11 runs every night like they did that this past Monday. But this is the, the lineup will produce. The key is can the pitching staff just you know shut down opponents and, and can the starters last five and six innings. If not, it's going to be a disastrous season. They're going to be somewhat entertaining, but they're going to lose 90 games. Second audible caps uh, go on a five game road trip. They played very well this past weekend, a huge win over Boston at home. Nice win this past Saturday against Pittsburgh, even though there may have been some shenanigans, the penguins getting a little dirty, some chippiness, but never mind. caps win that they win that. Then they roast Philadelphia. Great way to go on the road, five games away from home before they come back. Hopefully they can get the right pieces in place for what should be an interesting playoff run in May for this team. That may also be the only players only meeting in history of professional sports that has produced a four game winning streak, which (laughs) since that players only meeting a four game winning streak, players only meeting usually good for one, maybe two wins, but four wins and outscoring opponents 23 to 10. Elias Sports Bureau has to look that up. That has to be some record post players only meeting. Rob? That and you have to hit some sort of rock bottom for a players only meeting. It feels like they weren't in that bad no, a situation no. that warranted a players only meeting. Uh, I love that Juan Soto is the fastest player to 100 home runs. Uh, I think that dude is a star in the making. And I think he's really going to have a breakout 2022 season. And uh, he's going to earn himself a lot of money, be it from the learners or whoever owns the Nationals when that time comes. Also, uh, I would be remiss if we didn't mention the uh, the tragic and stunning passing of Dwayne Haskins uh, down in Florida. Obviously, uh, you know, we, we – we we've had many discussions about him, not all positive, but I think it's uh, important to remember that these athletes aren't just these avatars that we're talking about in a vacuum. They're actually people. And uh, there were a couple of reports that were a little less than sensitive in the immediate aftermath of that. And apologies were, you know, levied and all of that. So uh, I think it's just important to remember that these are people, too, who have real problems and, you know, real life issues that maybe sometimes lead to the acceleration or deceleration of on-field performance. But uh, at the end of the day, let's just, uh, you know, be more uh, thoughtful and mindful of that as it pertains to some of these athletes that we talk about. I think with all these athletes, the fact that we're talking about it, we should respect the fact that we're even talking about them. They have the skill that they are at that kind of level. So, uh, but then, you know, if they, if if they don't succeed on whatever metric at any level, that should not be a part of their, their uh, uh, epitaph. It's it's not their, it's not their life. Just like, you know, I don't want some of my sports guys to be the defining (laughs) moments for me because I've, I've not done well. So the the point being is that we do need all fans should respect 
all these athletes they pay to see because none of them are, are trying not to do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is they're trying to do well. And guess what? The team they're playing against in whatever sport is also trying to do well. And that's, and that's not easy. So and, there's a, uh, and the difference between stars and guys who are at the end of the bench, I mean, it's, it's marginal. It's not as wide a gulf as you think. I mean, we play these video games that come with like ratings attached to players. And it's just like the, the worst guy on such and such team is not, you know, um, the 50 well, points well, worse than the best guy on the team. So it's just like, you know, the, the, the worst player in the NBA would take you on the playground and just school you. People forget that sometimes a guy who's yeah. quote unquote, trash is a guy who's like one of the top 1% players in the world. Yeah. I mean, well, the NBA's case, I always say there's billions of players in the, in, on this planet and there's only 450 NBA players. So do, do the math on that. And it really, this is what I was just talking about In some case, I get it. There's, there's cases that all right, this guy's LeBron and that guy is whoever, but in many cases, it's just like we were talking about the game at this level. It's, it's such fine margins. It's that guy starting because you know what? He can make decisions two seconds faster than that guy. It's that, that final margin. It's like we were talking about hey, you're a better team because you make three more mm-hmm. three pointers a game. You're a better team because you shut down uh, three possessions a game. I'm using basketball as the point. So it's fine margins that we r- should respect everybody and along those lines of respect. I'm wearing this shirt because I just got back uh, from an unselled uh, school unveiling of the, the renovation uh, that they're doing. And uh, I think it's important that, that, that all athletes now, and, and we continue to celebrate because a lot of them are doing it. And, but this is something Wes Unsell did when guys didn't make a lot of money, but in 1978, his wife, Connie had a vision for a school in an underserved area of Baltimore. I was there today. That school is still going strong. And this is how you're going to change the future of people, especially in these underserved areas where they become the next doctor or lawyer or, or business entrepreneur. And they come back and they change uh, that neighborhood. And there's, there's foundations that are now working with athletes. Uh, I was talking to somebody there. They're working with, with Kevin Durant, who wants to go back and, and change the school that he was at or go right down the list. Um, so I, I think we, sh- we uh, as a media should celebrate more uh, of this. And, and the unsold school is, is past 40 years and they're still going, uh, I don't want to say strong. They're, they're trying to get students back in post pandemic. There there's struggles and challenges, but this is how we change the world by teaching kids at a young age. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> on that, but uh, no, I, no, believe, I, want, I believe yeah, that with I all the passion. Agree. Yeah. No, uh, I believe no. that with all the passion we can do. Yeah. X, Y, and Z, but, but when, when schools are, are, are bastions of safety for some of these kids, if we give them the right environment, encourage them and show them that, you know what, we want you to learn because we need you to take over this world, we're going to reach some kids, but we got to reach them young before we've lost them to something else. And there's a lot of people who don't understand that, uh, you know, because they have received privilege and they've been able to move, you know, down the, uh, down the line that it's, you know, it's difficult for some people to grasp the concept that what happens to you as a child will set a course for the rest of your life. So you make a left turn when you should have made a right at age eight, that changes the trajectory of your life. 
And so, uh, you know, I love to hear about uh, a school like this. I love to hear about some of these, uh, these other uh, establishments that are creating the opportunity for youth to, you know, ascend to more prominent roles within society that would not be afforded them. Otherwise, those are the kinds of things that we, that we absolutely need, uh, not just today's world, but just point blank. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, no, no. And well, we talk about leveling the playing field, but the classroom needs to be leveled. And that's what schools yeah. like this do provide the resources. So uh, there we go. Uh, we've, we've solved the world's problems once again, <laughs> but appreciate the time. Dave Preston had jumped to in sportscast. We always appreciate your time with us on the huddle. It's sponsored by MGM national Harbor for the latest in Washington sports. Visit MGM national Harbor and experience a sports fan paradise. Break.